Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and I am excited to welcome you to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership paradigms and explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. Exploring ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. Our topic for this episode of Evolve is leading through love. And to explore this topic with us is leadership and strategic business consultant and executive director with the John Maxwell team, Candace May. Candace May offers a process that develops leadership teams in ways that result in sustainable employee engagement and effective business operations. A training offering combines leadership with value-centric ethics, focusing on employee strengths, positive team engagement principles, and management systems that build strong business growth foundations. She's a licensed affiliate and executive director with the John Maxwell team and is a certified communication and behavioral consultant. Candace May wholeheartedly believes the statement, improve your people and processes and watch your profits grow. This is the future of successful organizations. Hello, Candace May, and welcome Evolve. Thank you, Yvette. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm excited about this conversation. Today is a special milestone for you, and I'd love for you to share more about it and your journey to leading with love. Today is an anniversary of my stroke. I had a massive stroke uh, December 9th, 2020, and I shouldn't be here today or I would be a total invalid. It was a, a massive end game stroke, and I had an ICA left um, artery that was completely blocked and I had two blood clots in the center of my communication center and I yeah. fell broke three ribs and had a collapsed lung they had to do a lung catheter and withdrew wow. 1200 cc's of blood from my cavity um, it was a uh, really amazing story of God um, and how he worked if if you want me to go into that whole story I'd be happy to share that <laughs> I'm sure we have some uh, listeners that would be interested. Go and share. <laughs> All right. Well, on December 9th, 2020, I, I was working from home with my own business, Candace May Training and Services. And I woke up about three in the morning with a lot on my mind and started working immediately. And we were in the middle of the pandemic. So there was a, a group I met with on a Zoom called Thrivers. And we would get together at 545 in the morning and work until about 6.30, doing positive affirmations, um, some reading, music, different activities to start the day strong. 
And um, about 6.15, I told the group I needed to go lay down because I was exhausted. I just like hit a wall and I, I just needed to rest. I had back-to-back -back meetings starting at, at eight. So I was gonna go lay down. I set my alarm and about seven o'clock, I heard a very loud voice say, get up. And um, I couldn't get up. I was laying in bed and I was trying to get the covers off and I, I couldn't. And I'm like, why can't I get up? And it was like, because your right side's not working. And I said, really? So I used my left side, pulled the covers off, sat up and my cell phone was next to my bed, thank goodness. I, I grabbed my, my cell phone and stumbled into the bathroom, sat on the toilet and called my oldest daughter, uh, who's a nurse. Um, she works with uh, neurology, you know, patients. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that at the time, but I called her, got her voice message. She'd worked nights that night. And I said, Tab, something's wrong. Um, I think I might be having a stroke. My right side um, isn't fully working. But even as I said that, I began to have tons of sensations run through my body and said to her, wait, maybe it's coming back. Maybe I just slept on it wrong and I'm getting this funny sensation. So I think I'm gonna go back to bed. If you would just call me in a couple of hours and check on me because something's not right. And I, I got up to go back to bed and instead it was like I got pushed over and fell flat on the bathtub. I heard a large pop and was then sitting on the, with my arm behind the bathtub on the floor, realizing I couldn't move. I couldn't get my arm out of that bathtub. I couldn't lift it, couldn't do anything. And I realized I, I seriously have had a stroke and I now was having trouble breathing and realizing I may have broken some ribs or done some internal damage. So I wiggled my way out of that position to the floor and I couldn't dial 911 and I didn't have Alexa working on my phone. Um, I couldn't get my hands to work to get to 911, but I did have speed dial on my phone so I could push a button so I pushed the button back to call my daughter again and explain to her, well, Tab, I'm definitely had a stroke and explain that I'd fallen and I'm, I'm just in tears at this point, hardly breathing. And um, then I called my second daughter and left her a voice message. And then I called my, my son and got his voice message and left him a message. And then I realized, okay, Lord, I, I've fallen, I've, I've got some kind of health issue going on here, a stroke. Um, if this is your will, then I'm ready. But if, if I heard you right, how can this happen? I was in the middle of a two week silent retreat. I had been going deep into the word of God uh, about God owning my business and uh, what, what path uh, he would be taking in my life. And I signed a personal covenant three days prior to the stroke. And I said, Lord, did I hear you wrong? You know, you had me sell my house, start my business. You've got me with a lot of momentum going here. And if I heard you wrong, then, then that's fine. But if I heard you right, I'm gonna have to be able to walk, talk, speak, and do everything uh, full functioning in order to move forward in the path you've called me to. And I'm willing to go out and do this work for you, but I, I need to be able to totally function. So I claim right now healing in the name of Jesus through the stripes that he bore uh, for us is, is the healing that you've already paid for, Lord. And I, I know that 
you know, you died on the cross and rose that you, you saved me, right? You, you brought salvation to me. And I ask the Holy Spirit to work in me right now with your army of angels to begin healing my body immediately, fully, my mind, my body in every way so that I can move forward in your, in you. And I, and I join the Holy Spirit in this process. But if it's your will, Lord, that I'm to go home to you now, so be it, you know, I'm ready as if I had a choice, right? I said, I'm I, whatever you want. Um, but I'm just gonna lay here and wait to hear from you. And as I sat in the quiet, um, I heard a voice say, try again. So I went back to my phone and this time I saw my son-in-law's picture on my speed dial and I pressed his number and he answered, he's in the, in the Navy here in San Diego, California. And he answered the phone and I explained to him through tears, you know, I can hardly breathe. I may have broken my ribs. Uh, I obviously have had a stroke. I can't move. I need help. And can you get me help? And he did. He uh, emergency um, paramedics came, took me to the local hospital. I was greeted by um, a ton of people at the door. And I, I never had that experience. Like what's going on? And they immediately took me into an emergency room. They had two cameras, two TV monitors, uh, computer monitors with doctors. And they asked me if I knew Tabitha Martin. And I said, well, yeah, that's my daughter. How do you know Tabitha? They said, is she family? And I said, uh, yeah, she can be my point of contact. And so then the nurse hands me this sheet of paper and says, sign this. I said, what am I signing? She said, just sign it, honey. You're going to die if you don't. I said, oh, okay. So yes, I sir. signed it. And then they um, gave me a TPA to thin out my blood and everything, immediately put me on a helicopter to get me to San Diego, uh, where they have specialists. And uh, I went completely flaccid on the right side on the helicopter ride over. And when we got to the top of the roof, again, we were meted by like 20 people at the doorway as they pulled me in the gurney into an emergency operating room. I hear the doctor say to the anesthesiologist, how much time do you need? He said 30 minutes. He said, we don't have 30 minutes. We're going in. So they immediately went in. And the next thing I hear the doctor say is, um, well, I, she's got two blood clots in the center of her communication center. And I can't get to them because her left ICA artery is over 99.9% .9 blocked. And I, it's a miracle there's any blood dripping through there at all. I, I don't even, it's, it's, it's crazy. So um, then I hear him say, I'm going to have to put a stent in. And then he says, I have to wait five minutes to see if it's going to hold before I can get in to get the clots. Then I hear him say, it's not holding. And then he says, okay, I'm in. And I'm, I'm feeling this like they're going through the blood vessels to get to my brain and it's scraping and, and, and there's all kinds of lights flashing and I'm moaning and he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I know it's, it's hard. And so I, I'm praying now saying, okay, I, these lights that I see in my head, I'm going to imagine that they're angels working through my body and that God is, is working. And I'm praying this whole time that God's working through the doctors to do a, a miracle and, and heal me. And then next thing I know, the doctor comes up to my head and says, can you raise your arm? 
and I could just, it was like feather light. I could just raise it so easy. And he was like practically jumping up and down with excitement. And then he said, can you move your leg? Can you move your feet? Can you move your toes? And I can move everything. Oh, wow. And they was, he was just beside himself. So he, the doctors left and I was left with the nurses and all the pain broke out severely because now it's the broken ribs and I can have feeling in the right side. So I'm in immense pain and completely dehydrated to the max. They give you medicines to dry you completely out. And I can hardly breathe. And I kept telling them, I can hardly breathe. I'm really struggling and the pain. And um, so they had told my daughter, there's no room. There was no room in the hospital. After I finished the, the surgery, there would be nowhere for me to go. But um, God answered that prayer too, because they were able to release someone from a clean ICU, that no COVID patients. So I had a room in the ICU. And when my daughter got there, you know, in the pandemic, they were not allowing anyone into the hospitals. Mm -hmm. But when my daughter got there, they did let her come in. And she immediately took me through this, um, process to check you know for that you do with the neuro uh can you hold your arms out can you do all this and the doctors and nurses looked at her and said what are you a neuro nurse and she said I am so she was allowed to stay with me in the hospital the whole time I was there and to be my advocate and the doctors came in like hourly checking on me uh and all I kept hearing them say is this is a miracle you're a miracle this you're healing so fast when it started, I couldn't sign my name at all. I, I couldn't, it, I couldn't do it. Um, my face was drooped. My tongue was crooked. I couldn't hold my arms out straight. Uh, everything was drifted. But wow. by the hour, everything, everything fixed. My tongue straightened. My face, everything lifted. They just kept saying, "You're. This is a miracle." And my my daughter said, "Mom, you don't understand when they say you're a miracle." Um, because I work with these patients who've had strokes, people don't heal like this. They don't heal this fast. And if they do heal at all, it's usually just a little bit and it takes months to get there. And we're watching you restore to health within hours. This is a miracle. Wow, what a story. Wow, do you need a moment? No, I'm okay. Oh, okay. I'm just touched because it was, so real and God was so good and to realize the power you know it's it's and it's so powerful what you went through yet when you bring up the word love in a workplace um people look down on you it's touchy-feely um you know how do you how do you make that transition from something where you know the power of love. Yeah. Because it was love that healed me, right? It was yeah, the love of yeah. God that healed me. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> well, let me, let me just say this. Um, a lot of people think, you know, uh, belief in God, they think about the 10 commandments and it's, it's all about a do and don't, you got to do all these things and don't do all these things, but that's really not what, what a relationship is with God with, with is about. It's about um, love. And it's about uh, when Jesus came to the earth, he, he said, I'm making a new covenant with you. No longer do you focus on the 10 commandments. Just focus on love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we focus on love, those 10 commandments will take care of themselves. 
The reason we were given the Ten Commandments originally is because man is deprived. They were, we're self-absorbed. We don't know the truth of God's goodness, right? We're blinded to that. Um, but yet through God's spirit, we become awakened. We become filled with the spirit so that we can become joy, peace, hope. There, there's a power. So I, I, I kind of liken it to this. Um, in the workplace, we see a lot of hatred or anger, and we see a lot of um, strife, contention. Um, people are depressed, and people become overwhelmed, and they're, they're filled with anxiety, and there's jealousy. And we see mistrust and uh, apprehension and doubt. Do, do you agree with me? Do you see that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Apathy as well. <laughs> Apathy, addictions are, are everywhere. Um, judgment, we judge each other. We have angry outbursts and there's a lot of unrestraint. Um, those are the natural default mode of man. That, that we are deprived of, of goodness, that our default modes tend to lean toward these conditions. But what is love? Are love, they natural or is it that love is natural and those are programming and conditioning? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, I think God originally created man to be working in love as a default mode that that was our true state, our true design. We were made in the image of God and that, that we would live in communion. You know, God has three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He lives in relationship. Relationship is critical to God. He never wants us to be alone in isolation. He never wants us to be rocks, right? Or an island. Um, but um, he gave us freedom of choice. And he put us in this beautiful garden. You know, it never rained in the Garden of Eden. It was just, you know, the, the water came up through the ground every morning and it was a, a beautiful scenery. There was no thorns, there was no corruption. It was just pure beauty. And we had the, the, the innocence of enjoying our time with God. But yet, God gave us the ability to choose. And he said, out of all of the garden, you can eat anything you want. There's two trees in the center, the garden, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of eternal life. You can eat of any tree except the tree of good and evil. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. So when, when we ate of that tree, we were tricked into saying, you know, eat the tree, uh, the fruit. Um, it's not that we died a physical death, it's that we became separated from God. We, we our knowledge that we were corrupt at that point. We no longer had innocence. And that's when I believe our default mode shifted out of one of innocence and joy and love into mm -hmm. this um, sin nature, Satan's innate nature, which is the hatred, the anger, the depression, the, the anxiety, the impatience, all of those things are the default mode uh, with self-absorbed, selfish pride. What are some uh, practical things people can do to, to be loved? 
because uh, everybody wants it or they want to feel cared about or love it. What can they do to be it uh, and, and contribute to transforming the, the environment around them, the culture? Yeah. Well, I think there's several things we can do. One, ultimately, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say from the, my heart as the woman of faith, that the best thing that for us to do is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because at that point, our internal dynamics shift. We, we be, move out of that default mode of the, the sin nature and into the, the, the mode of love, which is joy and peace and uh, long suffering, right? Patience and gentleness, uh, goodness. These are things that become innate in us instead of those other attributes of sin. But for those who may not be in a place of um, faith, I mean, I want to align people's faith with their business. That is my goal, that they would take uh, people who have a relationship with Christ to a deeper level, that they would uh, integrate their faith with, with their business. Too many people, I believe, um, separate work from their faith. They say, I go to church or I believe in God and they live at a very shallow level. They haven't let the love of God soak down into them so that they are um, spending time in, in praise every day. And, and the way they see other people is one of compassion that goes out. But those, regardless, we have tools of communication, of adjusting attitudes, of um, building relationships, building trust in the, in the workplace, psychological trust um, is so that there's safety, you don't feel attacked, building collaboration among team members. All of these things are tools that we can teach, but when you are a person of faith, you can take them to a deeper level. So when I say lead with love, that is an invitation to teach uh, leaders and team members working in communication, collaboration, and all of these areas um, through training and coaching. Uh, if you happen to be a Christian and you want to go deeper in that, I, that's, that's the beauty of it. But um, these principles um, flow through, you know, it's the emotional intelligence. What, right. what is emotional intelligence? It, it's the self-management, being self-aware, uh, being self-aware of of what you're thinking and what your body sensations are telling you because those body sensations really are uh, emotions and emotions are set up to be triggers for us to uh, realize what's happening um, so that we can regulate ourselves. We can have self-control. Uh, that's critical. The, when we want to lead other people, we have to be self-aware and be able to maintain and regulate our emotions and not let anger take over. I mean, we can be angry but how do we process that anger, right? We, we have to be able to manage our, our reactions, right? Mm -hmm. Allow space there. And then um, relationship management is the other side of emotional intelligence. And that's being aware of other people and what's going on with them. Um, it's about listening, right? Of developing that skill of listening because listening takes you to a much deeper level. It's about yeah. what's being said and what's not being said. It's about yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
the color of their skin when they're frustrated, but you notice the, the flushness so that mm -hmm. you can observe what's happening with them. It's their breathing, what's happening with their breathing. When you can watch someone's breathing, you can see whether they're holding their breath or whether they're anxious or whether, whether it, there's a lot in listening. There's a lot there that can be um, learned and developed and practiced and being able to manage these relationships. It's about inviting people to work in their strengths rather than um, focusing on what they're not good at and telling them to get better. How do you coach your employees to become better? How do you lead them through the growth process to get better? And if you're so, if you have a strength or, or a weakness, you have a skill set. And a lot of times employers may give you a, annual review, right? And they give you an annual review and they say, you're a five in this out of 10. You need to fix it. Well, if they're a five, they might be able to get to a six or seven. But if they're um, a six, they could get to a nine, right? So oh, yeah. what do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on the really bad areas? You, I mean, we don't want to ignore them. We need to build them up, but we also want to focus on the strength areas and let people yeah. work in their strengths. Mm -hmm. Because when people are working in their strengths, they're more productive. They're more mm -hmm. joyful. What Joy is contagious. Happiness is contagious, right? When people are, are feeling like they're contributing and they're making a difference, the morale of the company goes up, the morale of the team goes up. So if I'm really good at something and you're really not good at it, wouldn't it be better for me to do that piece than you? I know it's in your job description, but you know, why don't we just kind of swap a couple of things here so that the person who's the best skilled at them can work on them, right? Yeah, I say that all the time. People are like, what? <laughs> not working yeah. on my job description? <laughs> yeah, we, we should be able to work that yeah absolutely yeah i mean you're going to have canned job descriptions but when you want to really have an effective team you're going to be able to adjust those job descriptions for people's skills and it, you're going to just mm -hmm. see um the productivity go up off the scale oh yeah oh yeah and when people feel invited to make contributions and ideas um they feel more valued there's more ownership many times people are are like don't ask that question that's not your business or that's out of your um your responsibility who are you to ask that question right um just do it because we already told you to do it this way we've always done it this way um so sometimes we see teams working in silos and they're not sharing what they're doing with other departments and there's sometimes there's duplication from one team to another team uh, sometimes one team decides they're going to stop doing something and this other team needs what they're doing. So we should be looking at a bigger picture of an organization and what the teams, how they impact each other, right? And how we can flow, walk, check processes and, and, and work through all of that. Can you share uh, an example? Uh, you don't have to be specific about who it is, but an example of a team that you would have taken through a process and what, what particular things that you focus on so that you can start to transform maybe something dysfunctional into, some, into leaders who lead with love and, and team members who follow with love. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, years ago, I used to work for uh, a distribution company, uh, plastic uh, pipes and valves and so forth. And um, we had pricing. We would get uh, from the manufacturers the products and we would have to uh, input the pricing into our system and then you know, allow people to sell. And so I took over an operational team um, who handled the pricing. It would take them sometimes six weeks to get all the pricing in manually and uh, the typing. And there were five different pricing methods. So depending on what kind of pricing product it, it was, the method that they were um, adjusting pricing. So we had to go through, first of all, the team didn't get along. Um, they, there were just conflicts, personality conflicts. People didn't like each other. So it, it took some time to um, rematch, realign seating, uh, to match up purse people with um, complementary people who, who they could work with. Uh, we took specific, I took specific team meetings to develop the team, to get their input, to help them define who are we as a team and what are we doing and what is the impact that we're having on the company and why are we doing this and mm -hmm. what do we want to work like? How do we want to get along? What is, what is the team transformed? It was amazing. They people became lifetime friends. Um, people who didn't get along were able to work together, um, and other people who didn't know each other became great friends who who did know each other. Uh, we took processes that took, like I said, six weeks or more, and turned them into twenty-four hour turnaround time, automated with with an audit. Um, it was a very powerful process. So uh, that involved people skills, it involved communication, it involved addressing attitudes, it involved uh, relationship building, it involved um, equipping them with the tools they needed to change the process, to look at process, it empowered them to do things that they before wouldn't do. Um, we put together a manual and a policy and procedure book that they've never had in over 20 years that the company had been there. So it was a, a powerful transformation and um, uh, wonderful to see, extremely profitable for the, for the business. What part did self-awareness play in that whole process? Self-awareness was critical, uh, not only for me as the leader, but also for each of those team members, for them to become aware of what, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And um, what are they thinking even in, as an individual? So when we were having our team meetings about the team itself and its purpose, for them to do self-awareness as to what their reactions are and how they want to handle a disagreement and how have they been handling disagreements, they had to really kind of do some, some analytical work on themselves, right? To, to see, oh, I could have done this a little bit differently. I could use some yeah. tools here on, on how I communicate with other people. Oh, I have a personality style that, that likes to be direct or in this one wants right. to be of aggressive. Uh, how do we recognize what we're doing and how what the other person needs? How do we embrace and, and, and manage that? You know, no transformation process is without its hiccups. You know, you take two steps forward, one back, because habits, you know, form and they need to be reformed. Uh, what are some of the barriers that you've come across uh, in this whole transformation process, moving a team into uh, a love-based, relational kind of workspace? 
as opposed to a com command and control or some other. Exactly. Yeah. Avoiding the command and control and readjusting that. So first of all, um, for a leader to understand that they're not giving away their power. When they're, when they're leading with love, they're in increasing their power. When, they're, um, when people feel valued, they're going to, to give back more, right? They're going to show up. People want to be where they're wanted. They're, people, do you, do you want to be cared for? Sure you do, right? Do you give somebody more of yourself when you feel cared for than you do when you feel attacked? Sure, you're going to yeah. be working in defense. So there will be people in the team who are, um, well, there's always five different types of people who, when it comes to change, right? There's people who are totally resistant. They don't want change in any way, shape, or form. There's people, and they'll just want to quit and walk away. I'm not going to do something different or new. I just want to be left alone to do my own thing, right? And there's other people who are slow to change. Um, they, there's been, what's the new movement? There's another new movement this month. What is it going to be now? Let's just kind of see what happens. It's not really going to stick, right? And then there's people who um, are fast. They want to embrace change. They're going to jump right in. They're going to give it their all. They're going to be the champion. They're going to uh, lead other people, right? So mm -hmm. when there's all, all these different pieces of change management and being able to embrace people where they are let them know it's okay and how we need to move forward and why we want to move forward. I guess when it comes to change, it always has to start with awareness, whether that be personal change or a process change or a culture change. We have to become aware of what, what are we doing today? Is it working? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do we, I have an assessment where you can take um, to, for your workplace climate assessment, and it will just basically ask you some questions and you can rate where you're at, and it can bring to your attention how much toxicity you may have in your workplace, and it, knowing that this is toxic and what is toxic, are you running around putting fires out constantly instead of proactively planning? Uh, do you have a lot of high absenteeism? Do you have a lot of internal conflicts and people fighting? Do you have empire builders who um, is, they all have their own agenda instead of what's the best for the team and the company? Do you have people who are saying it's my way or the highway, you know, like, or are, these are signs of toxicity. And um, when we become aware of how much toxicity we have, now we're beginning to get to a place of maybe we need to change. People mm -hmm. won't change just for the sake of change. There needs to be a reason to change. So is your workplace working for you today? Mm -hmm. Are you getting the best results? Are your profits as high as they could be? Is your team happy to be at work? Customers are, how are they being treated? Because your customers are treated the way the team is treated. So if you have bad customer service, your team isn't being taken care of, right? Because when your team is taken care of, they're going to take care of that customer. And when your team isn't taken care of, you're going to see it on the bottom line, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's one, one thing to get the team started and, and making that transition into leading with love. But how, what would you say they need to do to sustain it? Because it's not easy. 
right. We have to build a culture. First, we have to identify what is the culture that we want. We, once we identify how much toxicity we have and where we are right now, uh, what is our ideal model? So here's where we are and here's where we want to go, like a roadmap. To take a roadmap from, to get to New York, if I said, let's go to New York, Yvette, you would say, great, I'll meet you there. Do you know how you would get there? Do I know how? Will we take the same path? Probably not. You're in Puerto Rico and I'm in California. So we have very different locations to start with. But if we don't know where we're starting, we don't know how to get to where we're going. So being aware of, of what's happening right now in your environment and what you need to change to get to where you want to be. That's the, the, the first piece. Um, having core values identifying what those core values are as an organization and what do those look like when they're played out every day are your leaders modeling those values yeah. because people do what people see so your team will comply to the rest of the um the leadership when they see the leadership modeling it you can't say i want you to do this but i'm it doesn't apply to me right mm -hmm. and when we have policies and procedures are they in alignment with our values? Sometimes right. they're so contrasting that, that we can say we have values and we can put a plaster them on the wall in a picture frame, but if we're not living them in the culture, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then we go to hire people and we say we need the skill set. I need you to be strong in Excel. I need you to be a good strong welder. I need you to, to be able to manufacture various things, whatever your job role is, right? We just focus on the hard skills. But it's not all about the hard skills. It's about the soft skills. It's about the character. Like we need to agree on what values we're looking for in people. And a bottom line is I'm going to say, do you value people? Because if you value people, then you're going to be able to treat them with respect. But it boils down to not everybody understands what respect looks like. So sometimes we have to go to the fundamental pieces when building a team and a culture and talk about these things. We have to share the meanings of words so that everyone has the same understanding. When I say respect, you know what I mean. And Carol knows what I mean. And Joey knows what I mean. There's no like I was respecting him but she treated me differently women sometimes see things differently than men right but when we realize and we have a core set of values and we understand what those values mean and what they look like in day-to-day -day activity then we can create the culture so when we're hiring people we can then look for people with core values and how are they how would they handle certain situations and that's how we build a culture and sustain a culture. We have to begin and we have to have ongoing employee um, construction, right? For, for building them as individuals, right? We, we want to build their character in the workplace. We want to build those soft skills. It's not a waste of our time as an employer to invest in our people because when we invest in our people, mm -hmm. we're investing in our company because yeah. every part of your business always comes back down to people. Does it not? Yes, every part. Every part, whether it's the person answering the phone and how the public is greeted, whether it's the person processing the, the payroll or the accounts receivable or payable, uh, whether it's the person who's building the product 
all of those pieces are pe about people and how they interact with each other and whether it's productive or whether there's a bottleneck in the assembly line because people were not getting along and various things. Yeah. It always comes down to people. You know, um, as you were talking, I was thinking about, well, how do leaders who lead with love keep healthy boundaries in place? Because you tend to, some leaders want to give and give and give. And uh, there's a point, there's a point where, you know, that becomes dysfunctional. Well, we're not talking about um, kumbaya. We're not talking about let everybody do their own thing. We're talking about accountability. We're talking about uh, strong boundaries. It's boundaries is critical. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think too many people say, oh, lead by love. That's a lot of feel good, you know, nothingness and everybody will go crazy and nothing will get done. On the contrary, um, love is orderly. Love is about boundaries. Love is about uh, respectful dialogue. It's about righteous anger without acting out in angry outbursts. It's about uh, being accountable. It's, it's about having um, transparency, uh, direct conversations, but respectful, right? It's about um, two people. Uh, conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing. Conflict is actually a good thing. When two people can come together and disagree on something, um, they can share different vantage points and perspectives. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a powerful process where we can stretch the other people to see things in a way that they didn't see them prior. It's about bringing everyone to the table so that we can meet more needs, right? In a broader perspective, when we allow other people to share their vantage points and we don't just shut them down because they don't think like us. Yeah. We want to embrace all of that. So having boundaries is critical and, um, that is that is part of the team development that I work with. So as a last question, what's one bit of advice uh, you would give to someone, especially someone who's cynical about this leading with love thing? You know, uh, what's one bit of advice you would give them uh, to help them understand the impact that this can have? Yeah, well, if they're cynical, it makes me wonder, um, what has life brought them? Have they had a lot of difficulties in their own life? Have they felt abandoned and isolated and alone? Uh, do they feel that they've had to fight for everything they have? And uh, because of that, that shapes them, right? And so, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be islands. We're not meant to be um, uh, God by ourselves, judging everyone else. We are, we are meant to connect with other people. We are meant to communicate in, in a, a two-way conversation um, so that we're honored. I would, mm -hmm. encourage, I would encourage leaders or somebody who's cynical to, um, Take a self-assessment, and I can offer that. Take a self-assessment to kind of get to know yourself, get to know 
how you're wired, how your personality is wired, what your, your values are, what are what is your work ethic and, and your what is your learning style? You may have had a lot of conflict come up in your life and a lot of resistance. So you're cynical because you've not seen it. It hasn't been real to you. There, there's no sincerity. Um, it just sounds fluffy. Um, mm-hmm. But with, if, if we could come together and do um, a one-on-one conversation, where we could get into some of the uh, the weeds with you about who you are and how how you function best. I think you would begin to see a huge significance in yourself because if somebody's really cynical to love, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to say I don't think they love themselves. They can't love other people if they don't love themselves. Mm-hmm. So I would invite you to to get to know yourself better. And you know, I, I can walk with you through that process, right? Through a um, no, to get to know yourself better. That's one of the powers of coaching. You become self-aware and you work through that piece. I think that's a powerful ending. You can't love other people if you don't love yourself. And with that, I'd like to thank you, Candace May. Such a powerful interview. Your insights will certainly help our listeners to lead through love. Please tell our audience where they can find you on the internet. Thank you, Yvette. Candace May, C-A-N-D-A-C-E-M-A-E.com, CandaceMay.com is my website. And if you go to Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Candace May, you'll find all the links to connect with me on social media and download some uh, powerful p- PDF programs that, including that assessment for your workplace. Ah, Linktree is like a GPS. It'll find you anywhere, wherever you are. That's it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this has been Yvette Bethel and Candace May, and we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve. Thanks for listening to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.